You ready to let the dogs out? What? Do what? <laughs> let the dogs out. You know, like, who let the dogs out? Who, who? You're listening to the Victory Bells podcast. Yeah, it's made with bits of real banter. So you know it's good. With the latest in everything Red Raider sports. I almost numbchucked you. You don't even realize. Hey, Ma! Can we get some meatloaf? Here's Will McKay. You know, I'm just a just a big, hairy American winning machine. If you ain't first, you're last. And Matt Clare. Hey, guys. Oh, big golf, huh? All right. Well, see you later. What's up, everybody? Welcome into this week's edition of the Victory Bells podcast. I'm Will McKay, and he's Matt Clare, as always. And uh, after taking a week off, you know, had some pretty busy with kind of what all's going on right now with uh with both of us obviously with everything with, with basketball and spring football baseball it's kind of hectic so uh you know things kind of out of the ordinary a little bit but uh but excited to get another uh another podcast going this week uh people so uh before we get started what uh matthias what is up with you my friend matthias that's a new one yeah uh nothing man uh, just staying busy like you said and uh you know back ready to get back on the the podcast here had to take a week off last week but we have uh we have a lot of stuff going on it seems like every other day you're at a press conference or a baseball game or a basketball game no, and yeah, all yeah. that's it's been one after another so uh so i'm anxious to to get into some of it yeah man and this uh it's it's gonna be kind of you know it's gonna be you know different this year because but I mean good at the same time uh, you know for Tech Athletics because most of the time basketball at this point you know I mean we quit talking about basketball because there's no not even any reason to talk about it uh, you know in the Big Twelve tourney but obviously a different year with uh, NCAA tournament so it's gonna be interesting to see <laughs> for us anyway you know coverage between that and baseball and spring football but but I'm not gonna complain things are good so. Uh, no complaints on my end. And uh, speaking of which, like I said, you know, this was, you know, getting into, you know, our first segment, you know, Texas Tech News this week. And, uh, you know, the very first thing is the big obvious thing this week where, you know, spring football started last Saturday afternoon. They've gone through, we're recording this on Tuesday night, and they just had their first padded practice on Tuesday. Have had uh, three practices total so far. And, uh, you know, I think spring football, it, it is what it is. I think. You obviously get excited hearing about you know how guys are progressing and where things are at, but uh, you know not not a ton of like new new info comes out of spring ball. It's just you know more more football for us to talk about, and uh, like I said, guys kind of making progress. So uh, really excited you know to kind of see what's going on so far. We got to go out to the first uh, you know 15 20 minutes practice today. You know kind of got a first look at some of these freshmen and you know retro freshmen and true freshmen JUCO guys. And uh, I tell you what, man. Uh, our boy uh, Jed Duffy, he has been uh, finding himself at the buffet table a little bit, my friend. He has uh, put on a few pounds and uh, like 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 noticeably so to the point where I didn't even recognize it was him when I walked on the field because they have, they haven't given us a roster yet. So uh, some of these kids' numbers we don't know. And I just saw you know a kid over there you know throwing and I asked somebody I was like who is that and they, they told me it was Jed. I couldn't believe it because uh, he's gained a bunch of weight. So you know, excited about him and a couple other guys I saw. It looks like, you know, things are going good, you know, so far. And uh, like I said, only three days in. But uh, but I guess for you, Matt, from afar, I guess, what are kind of the things about, you know, spring football that, you know, that kind of stick out to you every year? And I guess what are your just kind of thoughts about, you know, going into this year too? 
Well, I mean, the thing I was trying to decipher, I was, I don't know if we have an updated roster, but I'm really interested in, in how they're going to set up the offensive line. Uh, I don't expect any of the kids that are not on campus to come in and, and challenge for no. too much playing time. So, so based on how they're practicing in terms of reps or all that, I mean, I'd be interested to see how, um, Madison Akimnanu and Terrence Steele look. Uh, we know we've heard good things. You've been there. Right. Uh, but I mean, I, I've watched Steele. I've told you guys for the past year or so, he's got incredibly long arms. It's, it's freakishly, um, you know, obvious why he, he stands out at that kinda position. Like, kind of like Baby LaRaven a little bit, how he's built, you know? Really, really. Yeah, so I'd imagine he's grown a little bit too, uh, after being on campus for a year. Um, and then you've got, the the center position it looked like in the pictures again I'm just guessing here but it looked like uh, Morales Tony, was yeah, yeah okay. Tony's starting right now at center so I mean that's another big position that you're filling so really anything along those lines and then uh, obviously we're not going to know this spring but getting a healthy Justin Murphy back would just make you feel a lot more confident. Yep. Um, so, so yeah, to keep it brief, offensive line. And then, uh, for me, the, I think it's the secondary and, and, uh, I don't know, it's a, it's a tie between the secondary, like who starts and then maybe like linebacker and, yeah. and how they're going to, uh, how they're going to work that. I mean, I think it's interesting because I don't think you've had this type of depth before. I mean, even if it's newer no way, players yeah. or younger guys, I, I think they feel good about who they have. Yeah. And I think, I think the weird thing for me is this year, and I think maybe more than any year since, oh, I don't know, like, like I guess 2012 would have been the last time you would have said this, where, like, you, you know, you're going to have a lot of new starters, I think, on you know, obviously on both sides of the ball, but I think at the same time, there are just so many guys that have been around for, you know, a year or two years that, you know, I, I know I've asked several guys, you know, in interviews and, you know, just kind of at practice, you know, today, you know, and just kind of being around some guys and asking them, they really aren't doing any install much on offense and defense. It's really just kind of get going and getting after it, which is so crazy to think about because, you know, the last two or three springs, all we've heard about is, you know, running through reps, you know, installing all this stuff, you know, trying to get these guys in a rhythm. And on defense, you finally got, you know, the same system in place. You got new assistants and those guys, you know, kind of getting in the flow of things, but you got the same system in place. Uh, you got a bunch of guys like like the crazy thing about the secondary is and, and no matter what you think about how well they played or not at times, I mean you replay you basically return you know six seven guys that have been the guys at at, at, at you know at the defensive back position for you know three years, which is kind of crazy. <coughs> Excuse me, but that and then I think for me, I'm really excited to see how things work at, work kind of work out uh, that receiver both inside and outside because I think the only guy that you kind of have set in, like set in stone as a starter, would be, you know, a guy like Ian Sadler at Y. And he's really, and he's not going to go through the spring because they just kind of want to kind of let him rest, you know, after uh, he hurt his knee last fall and, and they're going to kind of let him just kind of get healthy. So it's just going to be really interesting to see how, you know, that all works out and who kind of emerges, you know, at the other three positions. Cause it's kind of a free fall receiver, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, there's, there's a lot of inter- uh, blah, 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 interesting things about this spring. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's funny. I mean, funny how a one photo gallery can, uh, can kind of spark all kinds of different questions, but 
you know, you, you get to see these kids kind of grow up a little bit and you see the value of building some of that depth in those classes. Uh, you know, they threw some numbers at certain positions and, uh, you know, I think, you know, a, a year from today, maybe we'll be saying the same thing about right. this crop of uh, defensive linemen that have come in. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, just thinking about it, too, you know, whenever I said, you know, it surprised me, you know, they're not doing much install. I guess at the same time, you know, it kind of makes sense because you're in year four of the, I mean, spring four of the program. So at this point, you know, the program should be established as far as, you know, what it is and, and you know, kind of the direction of, you know, what you want to do with things. And I think, you know, the through the first, you know, you know, week of talking to all these guys, it all kind of seems, you know, kind of, you know, routine and old hat, which I think is a good thing because whenever you look at all the other programs in the conference that have, you know, been really good the last, you know, three, four years, it's all the ones that have had, you know, the majority of the same coaching staff for, you know, five, six, seven plus years. No doubt. But, uh, but yeah, you know, looking forward to kind of just where things go this spring and, uh, and, uh, just kind of what, uh, what it kind of brings because you always expect certain things to happen. You always expect, you know, certain players step up and almost always, you know, it, it kind of never works out like you think it will. So uh, we'll kind of see here in uh, a couple weeks, what kind of happens whenever uh, you got the Midland scrimmage and then, and then uh, the spring game. So uh, excited for, you know, all the coverage here over the next couple of weeks, but uh, that's it for, you know, foot, I guess for, for tech, for the football team itself, it's, but we got a couple things to talk about in recruiting and uh, first off, the first thing in recruiting to talk about is Jalen Rager, I guess. And uh, I know a lot of people have been curious about, you know, how solid he is and where things are at with him, seeing as, you know, he visited A&M. He's going to take, uh, you know, a couple other visits. I think he's going to visit, you know, Oklahoma, I think, and some other places. So, uh, you know, picking up a bunch of offers, Florida State, A&M, a couple other schools. So, uh and I talked to him last week, and he just kind of told me that, you know, he was good with Tech, committed to Tech, and, and felt good about things with Tech, but he just wanted to make sure and double-check and, you know, take visits and, and just kind of see what else is out there. So, in my, you know, my estimation, Matt, and you and I have been around this long enough to know that this is just kind of a thing that happens with, with you know, about, you know, it just happens with some of the guys that commit early, you know, it's just part of the process. Yeah, I think it's part of the process. I mean, I don't want to oversell it, though. I've only talked to Jalen uh, maybe once. I'm hoping to get to know him a little bit better at the camp. Uh, but I, I haven't had a chance to talk to him about A&M. I know you did. Uh, but, I mean, I, I take him I take him at his word. I mean, a lot of our conversations have been through messaging. So, right. yeah, I don't I don't want to say that's the same than, as an actual interview. But, but I get the same sentiment is that, you know, not not necessarily an even committing early type of deal. I mean, even when he made his commitment, we talked about how he, he thought about it and this, that, and the other, and we talked about the timeline. So, I mean, it's all there. I mean, and, and yes, you know, things do change, but uh, I, I think that, you know, he's also the same kid that's retweeting those uh, practice photos from Texas Tech today as well. Right. So, you know, I think there's a good relationship with the coaching staff, um, and the coaches are clearly going after, you know, a guy like Herb Sparks, which is close to, to Jalen. So maybe doing those those other things to, to keep him, I don't know, close in the fold. But right. Florida, Florida State and, and A&M are just two of the most recent offers. So, I mean um, – I guess a, a a validated talent, and then a kid that uh, you know you're going to have to fight to keep a hold of. But I know he's going to get back on campus to Tech as well. I think right, he just wants to experience the the process, if you you know. 
Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And uh, I think, obviously, I think the big comparison to his recruitment at, at this point, I would say, and, and maybe even a little bit further along, uh, would kind of be what happened, you know, with Corey Dauphine, where you kind of pick up on him early and, you know, you offer him and he commits. And then after that, you know, everybody else kind of jumps in on him. And, uh, you know, Corey kind of did that thing where he said, you know, look, I'm going to take some visits and I'm just going to kind of, you know, get a look at things. And uh, I think it's just kind of a really similar situation, don't you? I mean, similar in the fact that, you know, Corey did take some visits and, and started getting a bunch of offers. But, I mean, at the end of the day, what people get to most – fired up about is that we're talking about a legacy here. Yeah, so, and I get that. Um, I know that plays a factor somewhere, but I also know that um, Coach Kingsbury and his staff have done a great job, you know, getting Jalen to that point where he was comfortable enough to commit. So as long as they stay on top of that, I mean, it, it can happen with any of your commits. I mean, we've seen it. Uh, you know, the guy that uh, that we were just talking about and that Coach Kingsbury was talking about is, is Tony Brown. And you know, maybe not. Maybe he didn't. You know, shine his freshman year, but you know, people people quickly forget that he had USC and UCLA offer in the month of January, right? Um, right before signing day. So I mean, he's. Uh, I think I think that was a lot closer of a you know kind of a close race at the end than I think a lot of people realize. I mean, I, I, probably so. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, it's you it's, know, I mean, it's, your, it's your it's your hometown. You know, it's hometown schools in in LA. So I mean. I think that was, you know, that was just, yeah, I think you have to, you know, applaud Darren Cheverini for that one because he, he reeled him in. And I think, you know, you've got him to come, you know, however many hundred or a thousand miles and, you know, leave L.A. So I think that's more impressive than a lot of other things. No, I agree. I agree. And I mean, especially when Coach Chev left, I mean, that was one kid I worried about. Like, okay, uh, you know, that was one of his top five schools. Right. He was recruited by him, you know, but, uh, you always have to have that as a as a you know something that could happen, right, but right. he's sticking with it, and and it looks like he's standing out right now. Yeah, and from everybody I've talked to, it looks like he's having a good spring. So uh, excited to see what happens with him. Um, but yeah, I think just going back to Jalen, you know, you can't panic. It's just part of it's just part of it, part of recruiting. And uh, you know, I think you know he's committed, and there's a reason he's committed. So I just think you have to you know trust that at this point. So. Uh, well, like I said, we're going to go to Ralph's cam. He's going to talk to you, right, right, me, right, right. and every other reporter there. So, you know, we're going to get a better picture. idea. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt, no doubt. And, uh, you know, moving on to our second piece of recruiting stuff, with it being, you know, the spring, while Tech isn't having any kind of junior day, you know, right now, or I guess they're not really having a real junior day, you know, they are, looks like they're scheduling quite a few visits and, or I guess guys visiting campus is what I mean to say, and, have already had some that visited last week and here over the next two weeks as kids have have spring uh have spring spring break um there will be quite a few kids that visit during the week this week and next week well i guess not next week because tech's off but uh but but yeah there's a bunch of kids you know that were in town over the weekend there are kids that are in town right now i mean they were out of practice today so uh i I guess just kind of jumping into this matt i know you've already talked to a couple of the kids that did visit last weekend which would be uh, Mesquite Horn safety, uh, you know, Christopher Hawkins, and then uh, Kobe Boyce, who's, you know, Lake Dallas corner. So, uh, yeah, just kind of, you know, what were your kind of impressions on, the, on those two guys and, you know, their visit and just kind of how things went, Matt? Uh, I mean, you know, both guys, it, it seemed like, 
I don't know, not standard, but you know, pretty standard feedback. I, yeah, I guess I would I would have to say. Uh, but the the way it's kind of funny. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we were led to believe there's not some official Junior Day, and what I'm hearing more and more from recruits is that I've been invited to Texas Tech's Junior Day. Oh, okay, well, what day is that? Well, they said they're having they they just sent me the spring practice schedule, said I could right. come any day, and that would be my Junior Day. So I was like, okay, that makes a lot more sense now. So I think you said there's a handful of kids out there today. Right, some um, local kids. Right, and, and, and I know I mentioned Herb Sparks earlier as someone that's real close to Jalen Rager. Him him and his teammates were not available to make it this weekend. Uh, but Christopher Hawkins from Mesquite Horn, he made it. Um, and, and, you know, something that Coach Gibbs kind of left him with was be patient with the process. You know, I want to come see you in spring ball. want to see you play in helmet and shoulder pads. Uh, you know, and, and if you're patient with us, you know, we'll uh, we'll make sure we get out there and check you out. So that's kind of the same thing you left Kobe Boyce with. But the only difference was he said, hey, I know I know my coaches like you. I just need to get in there with them and watch your film. But we'll be in contact here soon. So I don't know. Based on the feedback, uh, I think that, you know, Boyce is more of an immediate target. And the more and more I look into Boyce uh, just in the recruiting world itself, I mean, I see a lot of people that are becoming a big fan of his. Parking so, up some ears. Yeah. Yeah. So that's another kid. I'm, I'm interested in checking out here in a few weeks when we get to Dallas for the, the rivals camp as well. But, um, you know, a lot of positive feedback, good things, really good things he had to say about coach Carl Scott, um, who we're still trying to learn about. Uh, but it just seems that, uh, you know, the coaches are, are just getting as many kids as they can in here right now. And then I think they'll figure out what, uh, I don't know, their rhythm or their style is, but it looks like for the time being, uh, pretty standard stuff, checking into the facilities, uh, meeting up with their main recruiter, meeting the position coach. You know, there was some cool dialogue in there from both Hawkins and right. Boyce where uh, when they met with uh, Coach Gibbs, they got to sit in on individual meetings. So let's say, you know, Jay Sean Johnson's in there meeting with David Gibbs, cool, for example. You know? Yeah, you know, and they're just fly on the wall. So, you know, that's got to be a pretty good tactic. I thought, you know, that's a new one that I hadn't heard before. Um, and then, you know, just the way that they would use them in the defense and some of the things that, that they observed at the practice, uh, the practice itself. So, um, that was about it on those guys. Cool. And, uh, as far as other visitors and there's some more that are, well, that'll kind of, you know, come up here in the next couple of days and next week and, and the week after, but, uh, Drew Jackson, 2018 receiver from Mesquite Horns also, uh, in town right now. And then this weekend you got, uh, Two of your big boys up front that are committed in 2017, your Frisco boys and and uh, and Dawson Deaton and Jack Anderson. So <laughs> I was talking, I just talked to somebody today uh, up there, and they said, "Well, I guess it's about time we get them a locker." You know, it's just because of how much you know both those kids are up there. You know, I mean, how many times have both those guys visited now? Seven, six, seven. Oh yeah. It's well, just, I mean, with Jack, I mean, it might be more than that because you got to remember his sister's there. Sometimes we don't even know if he's in town and he just goes and hangs out, yeah. So, I mean, I think it's to the point where he's actually kind of buddies with some of the upperclassmen on the team and they'll go hang out. I mean, I know that that was uh, the case way back when. So, um, yeah, pretty crazy that, that he's going to be a senior now. Yeah, just because I remember two, three, two, three years ago, the very first time I ever – uh, met Jack was whenever he showed up. Uh, I guess it was right after his freshman year. He showed up at te- at a uh, Texas. Let's see, which camp was it? Um, Lancaster. No, it's the other one in Dallas. I uh, oh, Trinity, uh, the Trinity camp. 
Okay. Uh, the camp at Trinity, he showed Trinity up. Trinity or Lamar? Uh, it's at Trinity. It's at Trinity. Um, but but anyway, th- so he uh, <laughs> he showed up and I didn't know who he was. He was already a big kid, but uh, it was just funny because even whenever he was you know fourteen, fifteen years old, Tech was already you know showing him you know tons of love. You know as many as much as any of those other kids at any of those camps that show up as visitors. So I think you just see. Where that, you know, relationship that's been built legitimately over, you know, three, four years, you know, what that's turned into. And uh, he's basically like, it, it's crazy to say, but he's basically already a member of this football team, you know, without it being official in my eyes. Well, nothing ever surprises I mean, me, I'll, but it's good It's good to have that. I'll They'll, go ahead and knock on that know. wood. So, but, Well, yeah, but I mean, I don't mean it like that. Right. But, I mean, you know, I... Let's just say Jack isn't very happy with our establishment. Yeah, uh, not that. necessarily Red Raider Sports, but the the latter. The general and, establishment, uh, yes. And and I do not think that we will be seeing him at the the Dallas camp yeah, for you know for for said reasons. So you know, kind of a, a big time bummer there. But uh, again, I think that a lot of these guys are. Uh, a lot of these guys are, are pretty close knit when it comes to that class, and, and it's pretty cool that uh, Dawson and and Jack are, are not only you know friends and teammates and all that, but now they're going to go and play at the next level. And you know, I mean, back to your example, it's kind of funny because you know, way way back when I still remember meeting him and him saying Tech was his dream school, yeah, and all that <laughs> stuff, and that was literally two and a half years ago, so um, if not three years ago, so pretty wild. No doubt, no doubt, man. Um, I guess that's kind of it for uh, for tech news for the day, and uh, we're gonna kind of move to some our. And if you guys don't know, we've we're started a new uh, kind of a new format for the podcast. So, gonna talk some tech news first, which we just did, and then now we're gonna get into what we're gonna call off the radar, which is just some other stuff kind of going on in the sports world, some kind of other big uh, big headlines and uh, off uh, the radar, yeah, off the radar, brother. <laughs> put it put it in the air horn. I can do that for us, you know, in, in post production. That'd be pretty cool. But uh but yeah, I, I guess, you know, first off, first story I just kinda wanna talk about and kind of staying in college football is this week Illinois fired Bill Cubitt with their new athletic director and kind of the I'm Ron Burgundy kind <laughs> of move of the week where you literally never see a college football coach get fired after January, you know, and if you do, it's because they did something really, really bad uh, all the time. But I guess it was just a situation where, uh, you know, Illinois' new AD just kind of wanted to clean house and kind of wash his hands of all of that and uh, goes out and hires uh, Lovey Smith to a six-year deal as the, you know, new head coach in Illinois. And, I mean – I don't know what to think about it. I, I I guess I'm fine with it. I just look at Lovey Smith as an NFL coach, as a guy that you know has always been kind of middle of the pack. I know they they played in a Super Bowl uh, when, when they lost to the Colts. I can't remember what. I think it was Super Bowl 40. I can't remember. The, no, it was like 41, 42. Can't remember the exact number. But whenever they played the Colts, it was 05, I think, and that was really the best team that he's ever had. And they've only ever made the playoffs two other times than that. And things didn't go well in Tampa Bay and. I don't know. I just I just think it's kind of a very like whatever kind of hire. I I get it, you know, being Illinois and seeing how kind of, you know, established he is in the Chicago community, but I just thought it was kind of an I I, I guess I get it from a perspective of guys kind of do this stereotypical thing where 
all these NFL coaches, like kind of washed up NFL coaches come up on the radar for college jobs. And, you know, he's kind of one of the guys that got one. So I don't know. I guess I'm fine with it. I just don't know that it's necessarily like some like out of this world hire. Well, I mean, you're correct. And I mean, he's been in the NFL since 96. Right, I am yeah. cheating. I'm on <laughs> Wikipedia, so I'm not trying to you know, look like a brainiac here. But he did spend a, a lot of time at the college level and maybe yeah, as an assistant, let's no see. Doubt. Yeah. You know, Ohio maybe at, at 57, he, you know, the NFL, they say, you know, in college, obviously there's a lot of work and it's 24 seven in the NFL. Even like the guys that are on, you know, the Jimmy Johnson, uh, football life, you know, yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. Hey, I was working 16 hours a day and blah, blah, oh, blah. NFL, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he thinks that college is the, Hey, you know, six years, uh, 20, what? twenty. Two or twenty-one million guaranteed. Right. Yeah. It was more a, than that. It was. I mean, it was. I mean, it was something like that. Well, on top of that, I saw that they said that he has a four million dollar budget to hire his assistants, which, which that's that's the to, biggest deal to me. That's yeah. the one thing I look at, and I'm like, okay, I get it. Yeah, I mean, he, he that's number three, obviously behind Michigan and Ohio State in the Big, Big Ten. Ten. But consider that's Penn State, Nebraska. I mean, you know, that means he can really go attract some talent. Yeah, and the thing that's going to be that, that I thought was you know kind of, and the one thing that I've really liked so far that that they've kind of said about who he's targeting, he wants to hire Mike Sherman as offensive coordinator. Which you can say whatever you want about Mike Sherman and kind of how his stint went at A and M, but uh, that dude, I think you know people don't talk about it as much. I think because of how Kevin Sumlin and these guys have recruited. That guy, I think, stocked the cupboard at A&M more than, you know, someone and these guys are now. Oh, 100%, dude. I mean, you know, I know people bust my chops about writing for Aggie, but whenever I do get the courage to go read a few of those uh, <laughs> board posts over there, um, there are a lot of those detractors. So, you know, let's let's call it the uh, the Potts and Sheffield uh, example, right? I mean, oh, there's gosh. a lot of people who feel strongly one way or the other. And, uh, and I think it, I, I actually think it holds true. I mean, you look at these guys coming into this next year and, and they're all new recruits. And so, I mean, it could go one of two ways. I mean, the, the fact that he was able to not only land those guys, but, but really, I mean, think of it like land, think of it like having four LaRaven uh, Clarks at once. Dude, he had I mean, like, he had like seven, all like, yeah. like seven or eight of those guys that they, that they, uh, that they signed A and M, like I'm, I'm not kidding. There's like seven or eight of them that are either are going to or are already playing in the NFL. Like one of the best jobs anybody's ever done, like getting offensive line talent. Well, anyway, yeah, I mean, but but I guess going back to Lovey Smith, I mean, I, I think we've seen the trend. Um, I would compare him, you know, not directly, but but in terms of NFL success, you can Jeff compare Fisher. him. Well, to Jeff Fisher, That's but I you think. can. Oh, well, philosophy wise, but I, I was just going to say in terms of moving to the moving back to college, uh, Jim Harbaugh. I mean, I know that it's not going to be easy right, at Illinois, yeah. but in terms of his pitch on the recruiting trail and how that kind of correlates to, to how he builds his staff, I think you'll see a lot of NFL acumen. I think you'll see a lot of straight up pro style looks. Right. Uh, from what they do, and and I, again, I think going with Mike Sherman, who hello was a head coach in the NFL as well. I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's pretty right. good, but I think he's uh, at last point at last check, he's t uh, coaching high school right now. 
Yeah, yeah, he, pro yeah bono. He, it's like in the like it's like in Maine or like New Jersey. Like it's no, like I think some, it is Maine. It is Maine. Yeah, it was just something like off the wall where he was like, "I'm done with y'all, and I'm just going to coach high school and and live off of this the rest of my life." Why not? Right? He's probably made millions That's of dollars. What I'm he's making millions of dollars. He's going to work like half as much as he ever has. But 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 I'd be like I said, if he could hire him, that would be something for me that would really kind of make me kind of change my tune. And it's going to be, like you said, the most interesting thing is going to be is seeing as Lovey was at, you know, for the Bears, you know, basically all the 2000s, he was the head coach of the Bears. I do think there are a lot of kids all throughout the Midwest, especially obviously like Illinois and Ohio and Michigan, that they know who he is from whenever the time he was at the Bears and, and all those kind of things. So I think that that'll be the one thing that really kind of helps him sell kids on Illinois, you know. Okay. But... But I don't know. I, I, we'll kind of see where the hire goes. Just an interesting hire to me, and I, I don't know. It can go either one of the two ways. It goes either like the Jim Harbaugh and Pete Carroll way, which, you know, that was kind of what people said about Pete Carroll whenever he, you know, you know, left the NFL and went to USC. Like he was like this. Like he legitimately was like the sixth choice at USC for their head coaching job, and like yeah, everybody kind of got left in the dust on that one. So. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, me personally, like, it's we say that. We, like, I mentioned Harbaugh, and that's Michigan. And you mentioned Carroll, and that's USC. Yeah. He's going to be coaching yeah, at Illinois, <laughs> right? And so yeah. we're, we're not trying to be haters, but, I mean, that's, oh, that's which not. Oh, a totally different plateau. Yeah, that's different. But, but I guess we will start to see here what happens here in the next six, seven months as they kind of get going. Um, staying in the NFL and moving on to kind of the next thing was uh, – Man, it has been a really weird week for for me as far as all these guys retiring this week because you have uh, Peyton Manning calls it quits officially, and then Calvin Johnson officially calls it quits. Uh, Heath Miller, uh, who's obviously a lesser guy, but still a guy that's been kind of a staple in the NFL at tight end for the last you know ten years, ten fifteen years, and then uh, obviously you had Marshawn Lynch retire, and it's just so weird for me being a, a guy that grew up as a kid you know, who was went from, you know, late elementary school all the way to, you know, where I am now, you know, out of college, where, you know, those guys are the guys I grew up with, you know, as the guys that were posters on, like, the wall whenever I was, like, a kid. So it's it's just so weird, you know, just seeing their careers come to an end because it's the first kind of thing that kind of makes me, like, as a sports fan, makes me feel old, you know? Yeah, I mean, I... I... I still don't – I mean, for me, I kind of still – I remember the, the prime of Manning's career, but maybe the beginning. I don't remember those details. And, like and 03 to 07, you remember. Well, no, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. But, I mean, a lot of the a lot of the pictures or a lot of the highlights I'm seeing. And, like you know, his Because, yeah. obviously, I'm a big Cowboys fan, and, and his speech where he said that, you know, he got emotional because he beat – you know, Aikman and Smith and right. Irvin. And, and he's like, you know, that's when I thought people knew that, you know, the Colts were, were going to come back and, you know, blah, 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 be a winner. And I thought that was awesome, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, Calvin Johnson, the kind of writing was on the wall there. He had hinted at that before the season. Um, but another just, I don't think, you know, you're not going to see another one of those come around maybe ever in your, in your you know, lifetime. Built like him. Yeah, right. Ever. And then uh, you got Marshawn Lynch, who, who whose career didn't really start out. Right, and he's um, a lot younger than all those other guys are, which is kind yeah. of a weird one. Yeah, but but definitely 
definitely a guy that will be remembered for kind of blazing his own trail. And, and I think the coolest part is, you know, I read a story that he's just been living off endorsement money and he's right. saved I thought that all was of so the, cool. yeah. it's like $44 million. It was like, million. It was like 45 or $46 million he has in the bank. And he's like 20, 27 or like 28 years old and he's already got all that saved up. Wow. And I mean, and I'm sure he's going to be paid to do like, Oh, he'll do endorsements for whatever like else for the next 10 years too. Absolutely. Um, who's the other guy? There's, there's, um, uh, Woodson, obviously a legend. Right. Um, he's like maybe the best corner to ever play the game. So arguably, well, and, and, arguably. And, and extended his career as a safety and, and played on some winning teams, you know? Right. Uh, Woodson. And then, uh, also with, uh, with Jared Allen, I mean, a, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's just like I just cannot ever remember a you know like a like a three four like a three four week stretch where and I saw somebody today like tweeted out where they said that um you know all these guys will probably go in as first spot ballot Hall of Famers in twenty twenty one and it's like Peyton Manning, Jared Allen, Charles Woodson, uh you know like Calvin Johnson like talk about like an incredible like Hall of Fame class. Yeah, I mean, maybe they're saying that now. I, I just, I highly doubt it's going to be such a slam dunk thing because that's a very, um, not elitist, but you know, a very. But I, but I do think that there that people get sentimental about like the like all timers getting in on the first ballot. You know. Well, so okay, so I know that that that, that Calvin Johnson's in a league of his own, but I mean, uh, Terrell Owens didn't get in. Right. Yeah, I mean, but I think people he was have a, a lot of animosity he was a beast. Towards, towards him, though, is a big part of it. I don't agree with that, and I think he should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. But I think there's so much bad blood about him that I think it, I don't sure. think he'll get in for a couple more years. But I, I would just have to look at like you know I would you, have to look at some but, averages but, for Johnson. But you think Woodson and Woodson and Manning will get in the first first. Oh, round. those are no doubters. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it might take uh, Lynch a little a little while, but I think the the averages uh for the amount of years that he played and the production that he had uh i think that'll i think that'll kind of weigh out but you know I'll, I'll say this you know you've got two guys lynch and johnson that are retiring and and taking care of their bodies over the next 10 years how much more of that will you see now that right. we have the the whole uh CTE you know and cte and and all of that going on so i mean it I makes think, you think i think you look too look at last year and, and within the last year like how many think about like there were like seven guys from uh just from like the 49ers that all retired that were tw like 26 and under and they all just said nope I'm done like I don't want like Patrick Willis he he was like 27 28 years old like the best linebacker in the NFL and he just said nah I'm done and you know he has you know physically he probably had like another 7 years you know left in him so so yeah it, that's going to be the thing for me too man is is just seeing you know how many of these guys you know, start playing under 10 years, which I think is kind of the way it's starting to lean, you know? Yep. But uh, speaking of, you know, I, I guess you were talking about guys ending their NFL career. We're about <laughs> to have a lot of guys start their NFL career with the NFL Combine here right around the corner, uh, only about, you know, a little bit more than a month, a little bit under two months away, I guess, at, at this point. And, uh, just kind of wanted to talk about the draft a little bit and kind of where things sit now that the combines in the books and everybody's kind of starting to have their pro days. And I guess, you know, first off, before we kind of really talk about anything, you know, Cowboys, Texans, or anything like that, just kind of, uh, just kind of also want to talk about, you know, DeAndre and, and LaRaven and, and Jakeem and where those guys kind of sit because I, I guess first off with LaRaven, he's kind of projected, you know, 
teetering on like end of first, early second is kind of where everybody has him right now. And, and, uh, I think you would love to see him go early, you know, late first, because that means he's going to get on a really good football team and you'll have a future, you know, doing something like that. But you see that with him, I haven't seen a ton of as many projections, you know, cause they haven't done a ton of like later rounds projections, which I think is kind of where, uh, you know, Deandre is right now, but, uh, but I actually, and I had just forgotten about this until just now. Um, I actually, you know, DeAndre was actually out of practice today, and because you know he's in town for for pro day this weekend, he and Jakeem and, and Lorev and all these guys. And uh, okay, you guys can be able to check that out, or is it closed? Yeah, no. Uh, Drew's actually going to go cover it. He, you know, he's done it the last couple of years. That's kind of oh, that's thing. right. Okay, so okay. He's going to kind of get it into it, and I'm going to let him. I'm going to kind of take my hands off and let him kind of do it because he's kind of run away with it the last couple of years. So I'm going to let him do that, and excited to see what he kind of does with that on Friday. But, uh, but yeah, I got to talk to DeAndre, you know, for, you know, just kind of catch up with him, you know, at practice today, you know, we were out there for, you know, 10, 15 minutes and, uh, you know, just told me he felt, you know, you know, great about how things went at the combine. And, uh, he's talked to a whole lot of teams and gotten a lot of positive feedback. So I think if anything, he's a guy that's made himself a lot of money between the senior bowl and, and, and the combine and everything, because, and I know you, you, you saw this tweet earlier, Matt, about, uh, uh, his agent, what he tweeted out about, you know, who DeAndre kind of compares to. Yeah, he did like a, a you know, kind of like they would on, you know, CBS or Fox during the game. They did a, you know, a stat comparison, mm-hmm. and it shows DeAndre Washington on the left and uh, Giovanni Bernard, uh, formerly of, of UNC, who has gone on to some success in Cincinnati with the Bengals and. You know, height, weight, forty time, vertical, broad jump, bench, twenty yard shuttle, and then their their totals from from their last season of college as uh, rushing as well as receiving, and I mean they're dead on. I mean it's a dead on comparison, especially when you look at all the measurables. And so um, I I really think that's going to help him, and I really do think that. I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, you'll start hearing all the rumors and whatnot about teams he's meeting with, but I wouldn't expect him to go after the fourth round. I mean, I could still see him within the first four rounds. It, it right. just depends on the team. And that's what it's going to be. It's going to be about fit with wherever he kind of ends up because, you know, he's going to end up in, in a spread system and kind of more of a spread system, which, like you said, you know, the Bengals, uh, some of the things, you know, the Cowboys like to do. Teams that like to throw the ball to, to you know, to tailbacks, like to have scat backs, uh, you know, New England, some of these other, you know, teams like that. So, and there is nothing, I mean, and I know you would too, man. And, you know, I saw he, you know, he met with the Cowboys and I think, you know, there's been lots of talk about that. And there would be nothing that like would make me happier than to see him end up as a Dallas Cowboy, you know. Jerry likes the Big 12 too. Yeah, he does, which it's like, it's kind of got me like low key, like pretty excited, like just that possibility. So. Um, well, yeah. relax, relax. Yeah, I know. I just breathe. Oh, it just, it just makes me so excited for, you know, a guy like him, you know, as hard as he's worked and, and just kind of everything that he's gone through to be there, you know, there's, there's always a handful of guys. I think that they kind of skyrocket and I'm, I'm not saying that DeAndre is going to like skyrocket up the boards or anything like that, but there are always guys that can make, you know, themselves a lot of money, uh, you know, throughout the, the comp, the, the draft process. And I just feel like he's a guy uh, you know, that has done that. So, so I'm excited to see kind of what happens with DeAndre. And, and like I said, we'll see what happens with the Raven. And the most intriguing one is going to be, you know, Jakeem and just kind of what, you know, who decides, cause somebody's going to take a chance on him, whether it's, you know, as a late round pick or as a free agent. And it's just going to be interesting to see kind of, you know, 
you know, if he can stick because somebody will take a chance. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the one I have no, no clue on. But yeah, like I mean, you said, yeah. you know, later round chance or uh, definitely some, some free agent offers because, you know, if you remember back to Amendola, you know, he wasn't drafted, but he had like, uh, I want to say, three options uh, in terms of free agent landing spots. Uh, so he started out with the Cowboys, and, and we all know what happened from there. So you never know. Uh, but uh, it'll be – It'll be interesting to see too. I mean, I, I saw this uh, the one that was posted on the board earlier where La Raven was, uh, you know, tabbed at number thirty-two. So that'd be interesting. First I mean, second dra- first round of the se- or first pick of the second round because thirty-two is one in the second round since the Patriots correct. got there. Right. Okay. So. And and but and I think it was it's further emphasized by if they do choose him there, then they think very highly of him, not only from a, a spot standpoint, but if they were to draft uh, one of the quarterbacks at number two, then that means you know the Ravens protecting their ass for <laughs> for that investment, yeah. <laughs> right? So uh, you know that would be pretty cool against just a mock draft, but uh, you know I think that uh, he's he's definitely one of those guys that. You know, outside the measurables or, or whatever was said during Senior Bowl, I think his his uh, depth and, and overall, uh, I guess, work over these past four seasons speaks for itself, and, and nothing from a combine is going to change that. Right. And on top of that, I think, uh, you know, from from who I've talked to and just kind of what I've heard, it sounds like you know his interviews went like you know stellar, like through the roof with every team he talked to. So, I think that helps him out too. There's absolutely zero character issues there with him and on top of that he's a guy that i think anybody you ask that knows what they're talking about will tell you that all of his best football is still very very far in front of him um because he's still i mean he's still a guy that's developing physically and you just don't find guys that are built like he is where and and the funny thing mike mayock said he said you know raven clark is basically a pterodactyl you know at left tackle (laughs) for the future so um, guys just aren't built like that and can move laterally like him. So I'm going to be excited to see uh, where he kind of ends up. I, I guess, you know, move, moving on to just kind of some stuff, general draft stuff, I think the funny thing has been, you know, the number one pick, which is the Titans, everybody kind of went back and forth on what it is, and it's kind of ended up as everybody's kind of picking Laramie Tunsil, uh, the Ole Miss left tackle to kind of go to them, which is kind of an, you know, if the number one pick doesn't need a quarterback, it's always easier either – a defensive end or a left tackle. And, and that's usually like all it is. But uh, I don't know. I guess a couple other things that stick out to me is how Jalen Ramsey's kind of jumped up the boards from Florida State as a corner and where he's at. Um, specifically, I guess for the Cowboys, it's kind of funny because everybody's kind of a bit all over the place as far as what the Cowboys could do, which is Obviously, I think defensive line help, a running back, uh, you know, a, a, a safety. You know, there, there's lots of different directions they can kind of go with it. Uh, everybody's kind of saying either like Joey Bosa from Ohio State, uh, DeForest Buckner from Ohio State. Um, and I've even seen somebody say Ezekiel Elliott from Ohio State, who's kind of the guy that's kind of jumping up boards as, as to be like the number one running back right now. Um, but, yeah, that's just kind of what sticks out to me. What kind of sticks out to you? Um, I mean, obviously the quarterbacks at the top, uh, you know, Carson Wentz. Yeah. I guess the, the, you know, teams having a teams having to pick one or another. I mean, for me as a Cowboys fan, you know, what's there at number four and what do they do? Um, I guess, you know, because if you look at this in five years, one of those two guys, if not both, are going to be franchise quarterbacks. And, you know, as much as we want Tony Romo to, you know, 
walk away in the sunset at age 39 like Peyton Manning. I mean, you and I both know that that's not much of a plan. So I don't know. I think it'd be interesting, you know, based on all the comments and based on all the, you know, guesses to see what they do at number four. I mean, you can't, I mean, the the best part is you really can't go wrong um, in the fact that, you know, you, you invest the pick, you know, either with a quarterback of the future or you get a guy like Joey Bosa and you immediately is a monster, you know, improve your defense. So, um, you know, I guess this is the bright side of going four and twelve. Or yeah, something. it is because there's lots of options. Um, and I just, I really like the more I think about it, the more I really do just want them. Like, if, if nobody, if nobody takes, if the Browns, it just depends on who the Browns take it to. It, like, if if they take one of the quarterbacks, if they take Carson Wentz, I don't know if I would want the Cowboys to take Jared Goff. I think I like Carson Wentz a lot more than Jared Goff. I don't know. Um, we'll see. An interesting thing to me I saw was, I didn't see whose draft it was, but somebody had the Cowboys taking uh, Connor Cook in the third round, which I think that kind of intrigues me because there are things that I really like about him and there's things I'm not sure on. So that would, like as far as like a third round pick at quarterback, that kind of really interests me. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I they haven't drafted a quarterback in forever, so it's hard for right. me to, to say – you know, what could happen either which way. But um, I don't know. I mean, I also saw where, you know, not only could they get Bosa, but then they think Derrick Henry could fall to them. So how amazing would that be oh, with if that? you did le- both those things, oh, I would jump for Well, that, I mean, that offensive line on the left side, which is, that's, that's it's so, game hey, Derek, over. Here you go, buddy. Yeah, it's game over, man. Yeah. Um, I guess as far as Texans go, it's kind of the same as, the Cowboys, where it's kind of all over the place, but I think they're going offense. It's kind of whatever on offense, but uh, some people have, you know, them taking, I think a lot of people actually have them taking a quarterback at 22, which is interesting to me, you know, that kind of, that that spot, uh, because there always seems to be, like, no matter what draft it is, there's always kind of a guy that slips down right there that's kind of intriguing, like a couple years ago when Bridgewater fell that far uh, to the Vikings, and that's I think that's worked out pretty well. Uh Obviously, that's where Aaron Rodgers fell, you know, a long time ago, and that kind of happens. But Paxton Lynch, even some people even have Carson Wentz falling that far, which kind of interested me. But them, or like Will Fuller, who is from Notre Dame, who I think is an absolute stud. Yeah, ran a four three three. I love him. Like I just, I just remember watching him last year at Notre Dame, and uh, like that dude just sticks out to me. Like he just makes play after play after play, and I just really, really like him. But uh, you're down there. Do you, I mean? Do you think everybody's pretty much just offense, offense as far as the Texans go? Um, I mean, I, I think I think everybody's kind of wanting a quarterback, and 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 that's, that's obvious. Such a weird but spot to take one. Yeah, it's a weird spot. Well, and but you gotta remember they they also cut Arian Foster, so I, I saw possibly Lamar Miller. Maybe that's already happened, and I'm behind the times. Oh, then trade him for him. Well, no, I think he's a free oh, he's agent a free or something agent? like okay. that. So, yeah, so yeah, or he was you know waived. Who knows? But. Um, there was there was rumor of them signing him, but regardless, that opens a spot for a you know. It's, even if they got Lamar Miller, it's not like the, the he's holding it down for sure. No brainer running back. So um, you know they could go there. I mean, I know they could use help on the offensive line, but again, I'm not a Texans fan, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, just kind of looking through this thing, it's some Big Twelve guys. Um, it kind of sticks out to me that you know they. Have, so I see a lot of people that have, you know, Corey Coleman going at 13 to the Eagles, and that would be probably a 
like their their offense would should be pretty salty if you have him and Matthews uh, and and Aguilar and a couple of those other guys at receiver like that would be a really incredible group of receivers uh, for the Eagles. Let's see here who else. Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess Doxon, yeah, they have Doxon going a little bit lower at a couple other places. So those are kind of the two big twelve guys that are kind of at the top right now. And the Don't one, they have do they have Drango up there anywhere? No, dude, he's kind of been falling off the Oh really? Okay, I didn't wagon. Know. Yeah, it's not been good as far as him. But uh um I see a couple guys. Uh I think two two that have been kind of weird to me have been how Emmanuel Ogba's kind of fallen, you know, in drafts, where he's kind of late first, early second guy now for a lot of people. Um, and then the same thing for uh, uh, um, Andrew Billings. Like, I don't see him on any – I see him on, a, like, a couple of first-round first, first round things, like like the Packers taking him as a nose tackle. But I've, I've seen that guy – like, that dude is just – there are just not many defensive linemen that dominate the way he did uh, – as far as like interior guys, like I I just have not seen an interior guy in the Big Twelve since Sue that dominated like he did this year. I mean that his his presence on the defensive line it's incredible. I mean it it that was the only if you look back at all the games Texas Tech played last year, you know that was the only game where you thought they were going to put up a fight, but the offense could not find a single run, bit of rhythm. Nope, couldn't yeah. run either up the middle. And he had no run. no balance there. You're always playing kind of from behind, it seemed, and uh, the the mistakes compiled that. But Billings was a big big reason. I, I think the athleticism he showed at the combine, uh, com, you know, Being just with his big, strength, yeah, yeah. strong, yeah, I agree. So I, I actually think he could be a guy that actually goes higher. Um, just based on potential, because he's so young, he's a baby. He's still a baby. I don't think he could legally drink. I, I have to I, go. No, I think he's twenty. I think you're right. I think he's still twenty. So it's, yeah, yeah. It's just that. It just like blows my mind that nobody has really uh, jumped on him as much as they have. But uh, we'll end it there, and we'll kind of you know we'll see here in a couple of weeks where things go with the draft. But uh, we'll move on to our last our last segment, which is. Uh, Taking questions for, from you guys uh, here on uh, here on on the website, so uh, I guess we'll kind of get into some of these. Uh, and, and like and like you know, every single week we're going to post a thread asking for questions for the podcast, and uh, whether that be about you know tech football, twenty seventeen recruiting, whatever else you know you want to ask us about, go on because we'll, me and Matt and I will chop it up and talk about whatever. So um, our first question is here's one from. Uh, from Andrew Stiglmeyer, which is what player is going to make the biggest leap this spring on the offense and defense? And I will let you have the floor first. Uh, biggest leap on offense. I am going to, I'm going to stick with Tony Brown, but with uh, a caveat that, that uh, Quan shorts can, uh, can get some playing time as well. Uh, on defense, I'm going to say biggest leap is going to go, to Devonta Hinton. Good call. And uh, my my uh, I guess my uh, my other guy that, that I would put on there is uh, Pacconi just because he's on campus. Okay, I, I like those calls. Um, I'll stay away from guys that redshirted, and I'll just kind of go with uh, I'll just gotta go with guys that played last year and um, on offense and. 
I don't know. I just kind of have kind of have a gut feeling about this one. The Gallant offense, I'm going to say, will take the biggest like jump from where they were last year to this year is, and this is kind of an off-the-wall pick. I'm going to say Tony Morales as uh, the center because I think he's a guy that has always had the talent. If, I mean, he was a four-star out of high school, an Army All-American, and just was always hurt and never went through spring, never went through fall camp, you know, just always was hurt. And Sounds like a Sports Illustrated story to me <laughs> after your 9-1 and one yeah. on the season. Yeah, and it's it's just um, I don't know. I just feel like talking to you know a lot of guys. You know, uh, I think Coach Hayes has always thought highly of Tony as far as how he works and uh, his talent. And I just think it's a matter of him putting it together and you know just simply putting reps together, which he you know got to do some last year. And I just think the talent is there. And as long as you know he stays healthy, I just think he's a guy you'll see make a really big jump. And then that's that's one that sticks out to me. I, another one on offense, I'll I'll pick. I guess um, I'll say Tony Brown too. I think that's the obvious one, and that's the one that everybody you know asks is, you know, that's the guy that's made the biggest jump. He's doing well. He's doing good. So um, those are the two on offense. I'll kind of go with on defense. I will say, let's see here. Um, this is kind of a cop out, but I'll I'll say honestly, Braden Fajoko will make the biggest jump because. I think at times last year as a true freshman, he really flashed. You know, there were times he would make big plays and you would be really impressed with him. And then there there were times where he kind of got overwhelmed in games, uh, you know, when some veteran offensive linemen kind of got on him. So I think he'll make a big jump and go from being, you know, a guy that flashes and a guy that's obviously always in there. But I think he'll kind of move more to a guy that is just like a solid playmaker and, and is really a guy for you in the front seven. Um, another guy I will take, um, I'll take another wild card. I'll tell you what, I'll take, I'll take Justice Nelson. I think that he's from, from what I've heard, he's put on a lot of weight this off season. I think they really like how he's played the first couple of practices and I can already hear people groaning in the background about, you know, well, it's recorded. So right. it's, it lives with you forever. That's fine. And I'll, I'll own it forever. But, uh, I just think that justice is a guy that he's, he has the talent. I've always liked what I've seen from him. He's a long corner. Just needed to kind of, you know, take that next next step, and, and I just think he's a guy that'll do it. But uh, I guess we will see sooner than later. Um, okay, let's see here. Uh, and we'll just stick to receivers on this. Uh, what receiver, uh, and this is from quality to you, and I'm just going to stick with the first half of the question, but it's uh, highest ceiling among these receivers for next year, which is Tony Brown, Kiki Kuti, Quan Shorts, and Dante Thompson. So all the guys that came in last year. Right. Uh, I mean, I already said Tony Brown for, you know, most improved out of the spring. But in terms of the highest ceiling, I've got to say Dante Thompson because he's not the fastest. He's not the, the you know, the elite route runner, you know, athletic type. But he's just big and he can uh, he can go up and make plays and, I say that because Patrick Mahomes is the type of quarterback who is going to scramble around. And he's going to make something out of nothing. And then if you look up and you've got a six foot four, six foot five guy who that can fits his play style, yeah, yeah, and you know throwing it back over across his body. We've seen it a number of times with Jakeem as he's scrambling around. Um, and then even Thompson could could continue stretching the field. I mean, I think people need to remember. He was an integral part of a state championship team right. at Ennis and made. Yep. Big play after big play. Yep. So 
you know, I know it's a, a new level, but he's had a chance to to redshirt, and and in terms of highest ceiling, that's who I'm going to go with. And he is a big boy. I will tell you right now that I saw him today at practice, and he, uh, like my friend Jet Duffy, has been eating his Wheaties. So uh, we will kind of see where things go with him. But the guy I'm actually going to take is Quan Shorts, just because he's a guy that I think, uh, and he only played two years of high school football, his junior and senior year, so. I think whenever Tech signed him, he still, you know, as far as like his football career, he was still a baby as far as where he was in development and all that. But you just see him on film and you see how, you know, his size and his speed and how smooth he is and uh, just kind of how he plays. And I just think he's a guy, man, that has something to him uh, that when I just watch him play, there's just something to him that I just get excited about, how he catches the ball. Uh, how he moves around. So so that's the guy I will take as far as a uh, guy with the high ceiling. Uh, next question. Let's see here. Uh, which running back do you think emerges as the starter, and which kind of different roles do you kind of see them filling? Uh, I mean, I think that the coaches have made it clear Stockton is going to have the opportunity to take uh, He'll get the first shot, no doubt. Uh, first shot at that job, and you know, and I think he should. Uh, but I also think that based on the, I'm going to go back to this photo gallery. I mean, you were there in person, but Felton looks more like uh, the. I don't want to make a direct comparison to DeAndre, like a tank. but like, like yeah, a little muscle hamster, you know. And and uh, and I think that people will be surprised by him. I mean, I thought he was very underrated out of here, uh, out out of the Houston area here a few years ago. Absolutely. Um, we all know about Dolphin. He looks bigger, and we know what he can do in the open field. Steve so Heyman, yeah. I, I think having all three of them just provides depth and keeps the uh, opposing team guessing. So I think you'll see a little bit more of Felton than maybe you're expecting. Yeah, and I would say that. And then I'm looking forward to seeing what Dolphine does at this level because I think he did have some dis, uh, detractors uh, that that weren't sure uh, even after all those offers came in. Um, and I'm just saying from a national standpoint, clearly not. You know, Tech fans are, are right, right. excited about the speed and and the makeup, but you know this guy's a grown man and and uh, he's got all that physical ability. So even Stockton a few years ago came in as a true freshman and had you know even in some of those out of conference games just had. You know, 60 yards here, 75 yards there. I mean, those are big plays, and, and those, you know, those help you win football games automatically. Yeah, those yeah. plays are hard to come by. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, you know, and the thing is, it's like, I just think you feel happy about all your options because I don't think there's one that you feel bad about. You know, like, you, you I think you would be fine with any of the options of uh, being the guy. But I think I kind of see it as – just kind of, I don't know, just kind of what I've seen and, and what I, you know, kind of what I know about it. I think it may kind of be a thing like it was in 2013 where uh, whenever, you know, Kenny and DeAndre kind of 50, like almost legitimately 50-50 split the, split the carries where you can see a lot of two-back sets and a lot of that kind of stuff like you did kind of early on in Cliff's offense where, you know, he has two of those guys on the field at the same time and you kind of, you know, trying to figure out what it is. And I can see Stockton and Felton kind of, you know, splitting uh, you know, kind of splitting it 50-50 and, and maybe Stockton be the guy, you know, that's designated as the starter. Um, but then I think you could see Dauphine kind of take on the role that Stockton's had, you know, the last two years, where obviously I think Corey is a bigger back that, you know, is more physical, but he also has that speed. So I, I think you could kind of see that. However, I just, I don't want people to to 
forget about Daleon Ward coming in this summer because That's I think true. it means a lot to me because Cliff isn't one to just kind of come out and say stuff and it not mean anything. But every time that you have anybody's ever asked him anything about Daleon, he said, we're going to play him, he's going to get carries. And it's like straight into the point. So, I mean, I think that just means a lot. So that'll be the most interesting thing to me is to see where he kind of, you know, what kind of role he kind of tries to carve out and what they try to do with him right away. Well, and that brings up an interesting point. I mean, we're we're talking about all this and, and we're saying these things from experience. Uh, I think it's two-part, right? The obvious question is, you know, we're going to talk about the new running back coach here in a minute. But, you know, talking back to, you know, you said the the, uh, the 2013 season, you know, was that a, more of a Coach Jinx-influenced right, balance where he said yeah. – he was going with the hot hand and all that, you know, if I seem to remember those comments correctly. Yeah, that's, I or, remember right, yeah. You know, or was Cliff, you know, a lot involved with that? I know he's always incorporated the run into his, you know, the architecture of his offense. Um, or, you know, in the end, has he learned from Jinx as well? And, and we can carry that on. I, you know, I think that's interesting to watch because especially going back to, to knowing that there's a new running backs coach, right. you know, he's a former NFL player. So, you know, uh, all of that being considered and all due respect to Jinx and what he's done in the coaching profession, you know, you've got to think that at the very least uh, the new running back coach is going to get in there and, you know, push these guys and teach them some new things that, you know, maybe weren't there before. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, and with that, we'll just kind of jump into the next thing since we're already kind of on the subject of, of coach Foster and uh, JW seventy five seventy five. He has two questions and we'll kind of merge it into one, which was, uh, early impressions from the new coach's recruiting style, and also, uh, you know, coach, you know, what's Coach Foster's NFL pedigree, you know, causing you know recruits to perk up at all? And I think with Coach Foster, and, and, and as far as you know how they recruit and all those kind of things, it'll take a month or two before you know they kind of start talking to a lot of guys before we hear enough feedback on you know him and Coach Scott to kind of really uh, kind of get a feel for you know how they kind of go about things. Um, I think as, as far as coach, just kind of keeping on the coach's recruiting style, I think coach, coach Patrick, he's been around long enough that I kind of have a good feel for him where he's going to be kind of a, uh, you know, he's kind of a no nonsense guy, kind of rough and tumble, uh, you know, once, you know, once guys, you know, to kind of want to be physical and mean and, uh, all those kind of things. So I think, you know, what you have out of him, out of coach Patrick, and he brings that NFL pedigree too, that I think guys are impressed with. Um, but I think with coach Foster, uh, the interesting thing with him is, is he's kind of, he's a really soft-spoken guy, um, but at the same time, you know, I kind of saw you know him coaching at practice today, and and him and Coach Scott both are, uh, you know, guys that are pretty intense as far as you know practice, you know, very much so, uh, lots of energy from both those guys, and they're both you know always you know communicating and teaching and and always saying things to guys you know that are their backs, you know, from what from what I saw, and and and. Uh, It'll be interesting to me just kind of, you know, what guys, how receptive guys are to a guy like, you know, Coach Foster uh, with his experience and where he's been. I mean, all the all those guys want to get there themselves. So I would assume that uh, that they're going to have a good foot forward there. You know, me, I'm mostly interested in the recruiting part and right. everything that we heard back from our guys at UCLA said that he was a pretty integral part to to really going after some of their top targets. And, and so especially, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, and, and, and just as we kind of go back through some of the depth that the coaches have now, you know, I think they're going to afford themselves the opportunity with a very deep 
uh, running back class in Texas this year to to really be you know picky about who they go after. And I think they're they're going to take another strong run after Eno Benjamin, especially with a new running back coach. And you know after that we'll just have to see where they go. Maybe uh, maybe he has something up his sleeve back in California. Right. I, I don't know. Maybe they get in touch with a, a young man from out of state. All these are still options, but I think that this class in 2017, uh, you know, I, I've got, uh, you know, some of my updates over at Lone Star Preps, you know, where I just keep some of the general stuff. But met a young man from Cy Ridge down here, Traylon Smith, um, and, and he's, you know, a three-star back, uh, sort of you know, definitely not off the radar by any means, but mostly like Duke, Illinois, uh, UTSA, stuff like that. But, I mean, this kid is impressive. So, you know, they haven't even moved to that second tier of backs, and, and you're still talking to, like, that top two or three. And, and even with a new coach, you know, none of that's set in stone right now. So I know you had the recent update with the, the kid from Cibola Steel, and um, there's probably one other kid that I'm forgetting about. But I know Eno Benjamin is the, the main prize, and whether that's realistic or not, I think they're going to play that out. And, uh, you know, coaches will be back on the road uh, for the open contact period in April. So that will be a very right. telling sign of their coaching style and, and all these things. I know that um, I know that Coach Jones, his style so far, when he's talking to the higher-rated guys or, or what have you, I mean, he's letting them know about – his coaching background, the the receivers he's coached, you know, the guys that they have now and, you know, really illustrating that, hey, you know, we've got some guys, you know, right. you're not just going to come in here and, and play because you're you're good. You know, you got to come and, and, and earn it. Um, and I think they see that, you know, and then what he paints after that is that, you know, look at these statistics, you know, look at look at what they do on a consistent basis. Right. So I, I think, you know, Every year, whether it's running back or receiver, Texas Tech's going to get one of those four-star guys. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what shakes out, you know, throughout the rest of the spring. Right, and the thing with the, I think the thing with Eno Benjamin will be that, uh, you know, you kind of fell off the radar a little bit with him whenever, uh, you know, when Coach Jinx, you know, left. It'll be interesting to me uh, to see, you know, how, you know, what he thinks about, you know, a guy, a guy like Coach Foster, who, like you said, has done it at the NFL level, which I think a guy like you know, you know, obviously has those aspirations and uh, has those kind of thoughts. So it'll be interesting to me to see how he does uh, and how, you know, if his interest kind of jumps back up in tech, you know, now that a guy like, like Foster is in charge. No doubt. Well, I mean, we're ready to see it, but, you know, we joked last week that, you know, we needed to see a few more offers. I mean, we saw a few, uh, we saw a few come through, but the, the new coaches were just announced as well. So I think it's going to take some time. Uh, and I think it's going to take, you know, some more of these on-campus visits and then certainly when the coaches get back out on the road for us to get some some additional feedback. But um, I, I really like the, the hire of Foster, and I think that any recruit that you talk to, especially the higher-rated guys, if, if he plays well uh, in that area, I mean, that's where you want your running back coach right. to, to be strong in because once they finish with running back, you want them helping out on all of the other recruits that you're mm-hmm. trying to land. So um, I think that it uh, it could pay off well. And I think Cliff's proven that he has a pretty good uh, knack for identifying guys. And then I Coaches, think that's yeah. – yeah, I think that's a key to to any uh, to any good leader is surrounding yourself with uh, with talented guys. So, yeah. like I said, definitely looking forward to see what Foster can bring to the table as well as Scott and the other guys. 
Right, and I think I think both you know both Scott and uh, and Foster. I think in different ways, those are pretty like uh, you know creative and like unique hires. Where obviously yeah, Foster, who's an NFL guy, who's a West Coast guy, played at UCLA, kind of knows you know all about all that and all about the NFL, uh, and and who's not you know he's only he's, he's 35, 36. So I mean he's a younger guy. And then I think on the the other the opposite side of it, a guy like uh, a guy like Coach Scott who. Uh, played i believe played d2 d d oh he played d3 ball because he played at uh at mcmurray in, in, in abilene so mm-hmm. um so uh you know that's that's kind of an interesting how we're and everybody's talked about you know he, everything he's ever gotten in coaching he's earned it so i, I think that's kind of one of those hires that you you're really eager to see how that turns out and, and how he kind of handles because he's he's 30 years old so and he's now i believe the youngest assistant on the staff so um so yeah, just 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 a, a really unique hire I think by by Coach Gibbs and, and apparently a guy that uh, you know whenever you know Gibbs was asking around just got you know absolutely just kind of like universal praise from everybody that that knows him and uh, just kind of people you know around the you know Texas Louisiana uh, you know Oklahoma you know all these kind of regions everybody's like you need to give this guy a look you need to give this guy a look so I think as far as a pure coach I think just a guy that that is really respected so. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's it as far as questions for tonight, unless there's anything else you want to go into, Matt. I mean, that, that's about it. Anything else you want to talk about? I think that's it, man. I'm clearly a better rapper than you. Um, and, uh, my rapper name would be two chins Two chins. and, uh, and, uh, the marble question. I'm going to go with oh, the, okay. the, the black marble from marble madness, the Nintendo game oh, as, a, as, a, as an alternate option. Hmm. And I think that's it. Um, let's see here. Rapper name. I'm just going to go ahead and go with the already established uh, nickname by certain various people, which would be Wild Bill. I think that would be a good a good rapper name. Yeah. Um, as far as a Marvel goes, um, man, I don't know. I, I've never been into Marvels. I don't know anything about Marvels. What do you Mar- mean? Marvels suck. Marvels suck, nerds. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> um the only time I ever, what's the game you play that has the marbles on the board? You know what I'm talking about. Gonna have to lay out on that. All right, on, the, no, on that one, buddy. All right, Don't know. there's a dud. All right, gonna end her with a dud. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, all right, uh, that's it for this week, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the Victory Bells podcast. He's Matt. I'm Will. Hope you guys uh, really enjoyed it, and hope you guys have a great weekend. See ya.